Hey, and welcome back to Stories of the Prophets. And today, we'll be learning more about Musa Islam. And his story is very exciting and long, but exciting. So let's get on to it. So, okay. So, it is said that if we were to apply human laws, Musa Islam should not have existed. Like the historical context in which his story was set, right? It should have ended even before it began. Because, yeah, you'll see. But in the face of impossible, he did exist. And he grew up to be one of the Ulul Azim, the mightiest five messengers and prophets, simply because Allah wanted him to be. Now his life account is widely reported in Quran and is contained in almost 50 chapters mainly in Surah Taha, Al-Qasas, Fuslat and Al-A'raf. And his life is an example of divine destiny defying all the odds and illustrating how the plot, plan and grand design of Allah are beyond any human challenge or resistance. Okay. Now we need to start by understanding the background of this story. Okay. So by ancestry, Musa al-Islam was the son of um, Imran bin Qahat, who was in turn one of the direct descendants of Yaqub al-Islam, so the grandson of Ibrahim al-Islam. Yaqub al-Islam was also known as Israel. And from the story of Yusuf al-Islam, we are informed that Yaqub al-Islam had 12 sons who together with their descendants would be referred to in history as Bani Israel, the sons of Yaqub al-Islam and before his death Yaqub al-Islam asked his sons whom they would worship after he died and his sons all agreed that it was Allah and they vowed that they were Muslims and they would only worship the Lord of Ibrahim al-Islam which is Allah now when Bani Israel stayed in Egypt that is all of the sons of Yaqub al-Islam they stayed in Egypt they used to study the scriptures and one of these prophesied One of the scriptures, hmm, it said that one of the sons of Bani Israel will cause the downfall of the Egyptian kingdom. And in parallel, we should also recall that generations previously, when Ibrahim al-Islam and his wife Sarah traveled through Egypt, the king of Egypt at that time attempted to violate Sarah, if you would remember. However, as a result of her piety, Allah not only protected her from harm, but also ordained that one of her progeny be the cause of the destruction of the Egyptian empire. So if you think of it that way, if you think if you take the whole history into account, what happened like what the Egyptian king did to Sarah at that time, it's kind of like a huge punishment for him in the destruction of the whole empire as a whole for what he did to her. And as time moved forward, the prophecy of Bani Israel became subsumed in legend and it started being passed down from generation to the next so this saying that was in one of the scriptures in one of the books that Allah uh, gave the children of Israel mm, that is the children of Yaqub al-Islam it was mentioned that one of them would be the downfall of the Egyptian empire so but then this started this message started being passed down from generation to generation And over the years, 
Firaun or the Pharaoh came into being and ruled Egypt. He was one of the mightiest rulers in history and his civilization was so technologically advanced that we are still unable to understand or even replicate much of it today. However, he was also the more the most tyrannical and oppressive leader in history. Power made him exceedingly arrogant and he expressed himself to be the lord of all creations. He, together with all of his ministers, Qarun, Haman, ruled the land with an iron fist. He was very strict. The prophecy of Bani Israel inevitably reached Pharaoh's ears through his council of advisors. And Pharaoh was greatly disconcerted by these predictions. And as a precaution, he ordered that all the pregnant women of Bani Israel be strictly observed and monitored. No woman delivered a baby boy without the wide network of the Pharaoh's army knowing about it. And these newborns were immediately annihilated in a cold-blooded and systematic infanticide. As for the rest of Bani Israel, the women were spared. But the whole population was brutally exploited, forced to live the life of subservience being permitted to take up only the lowest professions and most menial tasks. I think something like the hierarchy we have in culture. Now Allah mentions in Surah Al-Qasas that indeed Pharaoh exalted himself in the land and made its people into factions, oppressing a sector among them, slaughtering their newborn sons and keeping the females alive. Indeed he was of the corruptors. So it is said that Pharaoh ruled uh, Egypt at that time by dividing the people into a hierarchy. And Bani Israel were the lowest of the low. The routine killings of the male population proved to be unsustainable and before long it adversely impacted the economic and social structure of Egypt, which was obvious. There was a shortage of manpower and the rest of the Egyptian society refused to perform the lowly tasks which were customarily assigned to the men of Bani Israel. Hence, at the advice of his ministers, Pharaoh ordered that he thought was a feasible solution, that the newborn males of Bani Israel were only to be slaughtered on alternate years to facilitate a controlled increase in population of male workforce. Now, during one of the years of pardon in which boys were permitted to live, Harun al-Islam, the older brother of Musa al-Islam, was born. However, Musa al-Islam was born on the year that the male infants were to be killed. Therefore, according to all the law of the land, Musa al-Islam should have been killed. However, Musa al-Islam's life demonstrates the journey of faith in Allah and the power of predestination above all human planning. It is said that the signs of pregnancy did not even show on Musa al-Islam's mother when she carried him. Hence, with all the soldiers on the lookout for pregnant women, she went completely unnoticed. The birth was discreet, but when he was born, she knew that if, she was, if he was discovered, death was unavoidable. And the situation was precarious. The smallest sound of the crying infant would bring the soldiers upon them, and they would kill Musa al-Islam before her very eyes. So how was a mother, still new from the strain of childbirth, and already under months of severe emotional pressure of the concealed pregnancy to endure that horror. So let's see what Allah revealed in her heart through a divine inspiration. Surah Al-Qasr says, And we inspired to the mother of Musa, 
suckle him but when you fear for him cast him into the river and do not fear and do not grieve indeed we will return him to you and will make him one of the messengers in these short sentences came instructions commands reassurance comfort advice and glad tidings now try to visualize yourself in the mother's shoes she feared for his life and the improbable solution to hurl him into the river would have run against any maternal instinct but what were the odds of his surviving in its swirling waters how can a river which only flows in one direction bring him back to her how could she not feel ripped apart by the hopelessness of the situation yet what viable alternative did she have but to obey allah's commandment if she wanted her son to live so with a heart steadfast and full of trust in allah's promise she fed him and then placed musa alislam into a basket as instructed she then flung him into the swift currents of the nile but she asked her daughter his older sister to securely keep track of his whereabouts it is to be noted that a river like all creations of allah is a slave of allah and not a drop of its rushing waters could move without allah willing it so for by allah's command the currents navigated the baby to safety and lodged the basket and its precious content by the river bank again allah's plan was in motion and the basket was dispatched to the most unlikely place by the palace of pharaoh <laughs> and it is said in quran the family of pharaoh picked him up out of the river so that he would become to them an enemy and a cause of grief indeed pharaoh and haman and their soldiers were deliberate sinners by some reports the basket was spotted by asia alayhi salam the wife of pharaoh and by others the basket was discovered by the slaves close to the river bank who having no authority to open the basket presented it to their queen the moment asia alayhi salam laid eyes on the baby allah placed in her heart a love for this little boy a kind of love of goodness that can only originate from allah at the same time pharaoh was approaching and commanded that the baby be killed but his queen persuaded him otherwise and the wife of pharaoh said he will be a comfort of the eye for me and for you do not kill him perhaps he may benefit us or we may adopt him as a son she was correct the presence of the baby altered the course of her life years later she would come to embrace islam and through this baby that she had rescued she would be led to her palace in paradise hence the biggest irony the tyrant king who had heartlessly commanded for all newborn boys to be murdered was unwittingly the one who would raise the very person whose existence he tried to prevent thus adopted musa grew up under the wing of pharaoh and lived in the comfort of his palace until he reached adulthood as stated in quran they were to be mutual enemies but until then it was written by allah that pharaoh was to take care of musa alayhisalam meanwhile the heart of musa alayhisalam's mother was void but for the thoughts of him she was distressed and worried about his fate she would have reached breaking point and blurted the secret of his identity had allah not placed steadfastness and faith in her heart allah in his infinite wisdom prevented musa alayhisalam from feeding from all the other wet nurses presented to him at the palace 
He refused to eat or drink and eventually the situation became critical. They sent the hungry baby under the care of a group of midwives and other women to the market in order to seek someone who could be hired to feed him. His sister, without revealing her true identity, offered to introduce them to a woman who could breastfeed him. She led the entourage to her house and once reunited with his birth mother, Nusal Islam immediately started suckling, much to everyone's relief. A messenger was sent to Asiya Salam to relay the happy news. Not knowing the true identity of Musa Islam's mother, she offered for her to live in her palace in order to continue feeding the child. But Musa Islam's mother declined, explaining that she had a husband, children and other obligations at home to attend. So a deal was struck, where they mutually agreed for Musa Islam to be dropped off at her home every day to feed and moreover that she was to be given a grant to cover all her expenses. Again, what a strange turn of events that the Pharaoh who had set out to kill him ended up paying for his upkeep and that of his whole family. As Allah had promised, so we restored him to his mother that she might be content and not grieve and that she would know that the promise of Allah is true, but most of the people do not know. The very circumstances of Musa Islam's birth is the epitome of the journey of faith in Allah. It shows that if one relies and has faith in Allah, Allah can take any situation and make it work in that person's favor. The wisdom of Allah is above our limited wisdom. For example, to us a river denotes drowning and peril, while in the case of Musa Islam, it became a passage of transportation to lead him peacefully to safety. This is what we have to learn, that the only owner of destiny is Allah. The calamities that occur in life are designed to test our faith on whether we believe in the condition or whether our faith lies in the owner of the condition. If we overlook the mirage of the condition, the owner of the condition will take care of us. For all situations were created and generated by him. This is why when we are met with calamities, one of our responses should be Inna lillahi, inna ilayhi, raji'un Loosely meaning, from Allah we come and to Allah we will return. However, we cannot dwell on our calamities and instead we should place a complete faith and trust in Allah. The story of Musa al-Islam reinforces a major point about Qadr, faith or destiny. It shows us the wisdom of Allah and that what he has written will never be changed. Such stories are to be listened to by the heart, not just with the eyes and mental faculties. The story teaches us to recognize that the plan of Allah is above all else. The very life of Musa al-Islam is in itself the journey of faith and we shall see from beginning to end is a journey against all rules and conventions. The underlying message is simple. All we need to get by in this life is to have faith in Allah. Now Musa al-Islam stayed in the palace of the Firon until he reached his full age and was firmly established, which according to many scholars mean that he stayed there until he was approximately 40 years old. One afternoon, he was walking in the city when he witnessed a fight between a man from his own people and another from his enemy. So the enemy was uh, from an Egyptian copt. Now the man from Bani Israel pleaded for Musa al-Islam to help and the latter responded by striking the Egyptian copt with his fist. That is Musa al-Islam hit the man, the Egyptian man. However, this blow was so forceful that the man died. Such was Musa al-Islam's strength. This death blow was unintentional and Musa al-Islam prayed, O oh my Lord, 
I have wronged myself, so please forgive me. And Allah forgave him. He said, My Lord, for the favor you bestowed upon me, I will never be an assistant to the criminals. He feared exposure for his crime and was walking in the city when suddenly he saw that the man who sought his help the previous day was in a fight with another Egyptian man. He cried out to Musa Islam again for help. Musa Islam said to him, Indeed, you are an evident, persistent deviator. He was about to hit the Egyptian when the man said, O oh Musa, do you intend to kill me as you killed someone yesterday? You only want to be a tyrant in the land and do not want to be of the amenders. This stinging statement made Musa Islam stop in his tracks. It was evident that the news of his alleged crime had spread throughout the town. According to the Quran, and a man came from the farthest end of the city running. He said, O oh Musa, indeed the eminent ones are conferring over you, intending to kill you, so leave the city. Indeed, I am to you of the sincere advisors. This messenger provided the dreaded confirmation that the news had reached Fir'aun, and an army of Fir'aun's police had already been deployed to capture Musa al-Islam. When Fir'aun's net was closing in around him, Musa al-Islam's only option was to leave the city. Thus, his stay at the palace came to an abrupt end. So he left it, fearful and anticipating. He said, My lord, save me from the wrongdoing people. And with just the clothes on his back, he fled and headed to Madian, where he stayed in exile for over a decade. Okay, so this is part one of Musa al-Islam and I'll be back with part two.